Are you creating plans that work for members or just for owners? How can you satisfy both while delivering an outstanding user experience? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're talking with Sarah Hamus. Sarah is principal at NBS Advisors, and she's working on helping to create and deliver high-value health plans. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but she's got a really interesting background in disruption in our industry, and we thought we'd welcome her and ask her to tell us a little bit about herself. So with that, welcome, Sarah. Thank you, David. Thank you for inviting me to this. It's our pleasure. So talk a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are today. Well, I've been in the insurance industry for uh, decades, starting out working for a large insurer and then moving over to the consulting side and then eventually to the brokerage side, where I've been for the past about 20 years. As a, a broker, I was able to work with some fantastic companies, and fortunately, some of them really pushed me to think differently. And in this, this last, oh, five, seven years or so, as healthcare continues to just decimate employers and, you know, health plans are becoming unaffordable for both members and, you know, their companies, et cetera, you know, I've been tasked and encouraged and motivated to look for ways to fix things, you know, for both of those parties. And that's what I have been doing for about the last seven years. And just recently, I left working for a fairly large brokerage firm to go out on my own with and forming my own company, NBS Advisors, which is designed to just help employers who have come to the conclusion that healthcare, the way it works today, isn't working for them and are ready to do something different. So when you say that, that you some of the things that you went through caused you to think differently, think differently about what? Think differently about how to deliver care. Think differently about how care works for members and how that differs perhaps from, you know, how it works for employers. And to just find ways to make care affordable for, you know, both employees or families and companies. And also to make it a better experience because healthcare today is just, it's hard to navigate. It's impossible to shop for care, and it leaves people just wondering, well, this is supposed to be a benefit to me, but it feels more like every time I turn around, you're taking something away. Those are the things that I want to fix. It's kind of interesting because we started this March. I mean, I was the Southeastern Director of Consumerism for Humana for a few years, and this goes back a long time ago. And we we all thought that we'd create consumers, and maybe in a certain way we have because I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with the statement or not, but these days it's always about money because the plan has to remain solvent and all that stuff. But, and you can't kill an employer, 
financially with this stuff. But from a member perspective, it's really more about the user experience now than it's ever been, isn't it? It is. And it's not a good experience most of the time. Where do you think the biggest drop-off is in in user experience? Is it just a communication issue or is it a complete re-education of employees or tools or techniques? What, What are the things that you're seeing? Well, I think there's a significant disconnect between what employers think their plans do and what they actually do. You know, for example, the HSA plans, the HSA qualified plans, you give them a high deductible, you give them a tax-free opportunity to set money aside, but employers fail to realize that 69% of our workers have less than $1,000 in savings. So where are they supposed to get this money from? And then they tell them, well, you know, you have a high deductible plan to motivate you to be a good consumer, go out and shop for health care. But guess what? You can't in most cases. In most cases, it is impossible to find out the cost of a service before we incur it. So how is a member supposed to shop? So they get discouraged? Of course they do. But I mean, it's one. I had a guest a couple of years ago say that the folks that you're talking about are really functionally uninsured. But the the worst part of that isn't, I mean, I, I think is that they'll, you know, little Johnny gets a cold, he's running a fever. Um, and they go, well, you know, but we got this big deductible. We don't want to go here. We don't want to go there. Let's wait and see. And little Johnny becomes a $35,000 pneumonia claim. Exactly. How do you fix that? Well, you fix it by number one, giving members a very strong primary care relationship that is either no cost or low cost to them. I prefer no cost whenever possible. You've already learned I'm not a fan of the HSA qualified plans. And if you stay away from those, you can offer free services to members. You know, part of the problem today is we have designed plans to offer broad networks, and we've asked for that. We worked for it. We thought giving people choice was the answer. And maybe 10 years ago it was, but within those broad networks today, there's such a huge range in cost for the exact same procedure and no way to find out, well, where do I go to get a a fair price for a procedure. So if you design that for employees and their families and you give them those choices and very clear that if you go here, the care is free to you. But if you go here, you're, you've got a deductible and coinsurance and, you know, some significant out-of-pocket costs, but yet that choice is still yours. That way you make that shopping really easy for them. And in the employer-provided marketplace, it's still employer choices, but Do I hear you saying that if you really are an employer and you want to build a successful plan, that one of the ways you need to do to start with the members first and work your way backwards? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, what value is a plan if it's not working for the members? Well, no value. And in point of fact, it may it may actually end up rebounding so that it ends up costing employers more, especially those who are partially self-funded and paying a certain portion of the claims themselves. So as you bring this stuff to members, what are the ways you found are the best ways to communicate that, hey, this this isn't this big, scary thing that you never understood. We're going to help you understand how to use this for yourself and your family. What techniques are you finding work and, and drive engagement? Because that's a frequent topic that we chat about. Right. You know, so many very good strategies have been tanked by the lack of employee engagement. So we have to get them on the front end. And if you tell them that free care is available, but you have to call a navigator to get it, they're likely to call. There are some who resist, of course, but most of them will call. Free care is very appealing to them. So when you have little Johnny with that cold 
And, you know, mom or dad goes, well, where should we go? They need to have a very easy number that, you know, they carry with them in the, in the form of maybe a wallet card, maybe that, you know, proverbial magnet on the refrigerator, et cetera, that they can call to get that help. So smartphone apps, does, are those resonating with folks? Yes, absolutely. And so when you pick up a smartphone app, I mean, do you, when you're talking to employers, do you recommend that it, it hit a concierge? so that a member has somebody to hold their hand through the process and then maybe recommend some of the tools that the employer has purchased on behalf of the employees? Yes. And I also love that idea of either the direct primary care relationship or an on-site clinic who understands when people need care beyond their clinic, how to get them to that concierge or that navigator or to those providers. So I think you can do it a variety of ways. Some people really like the apps, but the more you automate, the less you, I think, engage people in a conversation. And it's always the conversation that gets people to the right type of care. Let me give you a quick example of that. We had one client who had direct contracts in places that weren't necessarily real close to where they were located. And they incentivized people to drive maybe an hour, two hours, et cetera, by giving them money to do that. One person called in and said, I need a CAT scan. Where do I go to get it free? And the navigator said, well, the closest one is about two hours away from you. And he said, well, don't you have one down in Milwaukee? And they said, yes, we do. In fact, that's our best price direct contract. But that's five hours away for you, sir. He goes, that's okay. My grandkids live in Milwaukee. You know, that my company's going to pay me to go there. I get my CAT scan free and I get to spend the weekend with my grandkids. Works for me. That's a great bonus. Yeah. You wouldn't get that if you were just, you know, doing an automated find your direct contract. No. So I think those conversations, I think that really personalizes the experience and it gives that member the opportunity to ask questions they might not otherwise have. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. Let's follow this thread a little bit further. Is it important that as they're creating this relationship that they have the same person that they talk to every time? Is, is that increase the chances of them maybe being comfortable calling back? I think so, or at least that ability to talk to that person, you know, whenever they want to. Okay, interesting. So as you interact with advisors, how do you tell them, you know, here, here's the nexus of the problem. Here's what you're really trying to solve. What's that conversation like? Or when you talk to employers, what's that conversation like? How do you, how do you get into it? Because your conversation is different than a lot of other people's. 
I get into it pretty much the same way I, I started this conversation explaining what's broken about healthcare. I am absolutely shocked at how many people in this business, whether you know they're employers or brokers or even people within the insurance companies, I am always surprised at how little they know about the range in costs for procedures. I was giving a presentation about a year ago to a room full, about 300 people attending a benefits conference. So these people are schooled in benefits. There are a few students in the room, but most of them were either employers or they worked for some type of broker or insurance company. And when I asked the question, how many of you believe that the average range in costs is about 150% for the exact same procedure in the exact same zip code or within 10 miles of that zip code? How many of you believe it's about 150%? And I saw very few people standing up. I said, well, how many of you really don't know? If you don't know, stand up. And about two-thirds of the room, David, stood up, meaning they had no clue that that range in costs is more like 1,000%. Don't you find that interesting? I find it interesting, but sadly, I don't really find it surprising as somebody who does a fair amount of education and helps other people do that. I guess the question is, in the marketplace that we're in right now, how do advisors educate themselves? How do they learn about these these things? I mean, obviously, it's been opaque for patients forever. And I mean, there are states that are trying something. Massachusetts has a law that requires hospitals to put out costs. And I know the, the federal administration has done something similar. But it's still convoluted. It's not up to date. It's they're still playing, you know, hide the pee under the third shell. How do you educate yourself if you're an advisor? Well, I think for people like me, it's our job to figure that out. And there are tools out there that we can go, websites, et cetera. But once we know that information, once we know that that fact exists, we can dig into that. And that's what I do with, you know, the companies that I am advising. I show them, you know, what that range in costs is for some of the procedures. And then as I help them, we discover and find out, okay, where can we go to get these procedures as many as possible on the low end of the scale without sacrificing quality? Is there a particular place that you start? Do you start at outpatient or facility or procedures or what's the initial target? I think the initial target is is the simple procedures at first, you know, the MRIs, the x-rays, et cetera, and that information, you know, sometimes is easier to find. There are also resources out there, you know, the, the aggregators, they call them, which I think is not exactly a really good term, but where they actually go and get direct contracts for you. And as you start talking to these people, you just learn so much. I mean, that's one of the fascinating things about what I do is every time I connect with a new disruptor like yourself, I learn something and I hope they learn from me as well. Well, we've got to help each other. Or we're never going to get there. Let me go back a, a moment. You talked about how at one point the thought was that really broad networks are, are the thing that you want. And maybe we're learning they're not the thing you want. If you're trying to cobble together a narrow network or you're contracting a narrow network, what are some of the benefits of that? Do they Does it make it easier to do bundled pricing? Does it make it easier to do payment arrangements where there are discounts for prompt payment? What are those kinds of advantages to going to a narrow network? Because in, initially, employees, you know this, or employees are going to see it as a disadvantage. Correct. I'm not a fan necessarily of a narrow network per se. What I like is options to choose the right provider. And that right provider is generally a direct contracted provider. 
And those types of providers are eager to put together bundled pricing, you know, for employers who are willing to steer their employees to them for a set price, but at no cost to the member, because then they don't have to chase the member share, which can be very expensive for a provider to do. So I like to create maybe the narrow network within the larger network. I think choice is really important, especially for people who may have a specific chronic condition. We may not have a direct contract for that, so we want them to also be able to get to, you know, the Mayos, the UW systems, the John Hopkins, you know, if that is where they need to get their care. And again, that's different than what they're used to. So how do you message that? You make those care navigators available. You message early and often and make it as interactive as you can. One of the interesting experiences that I had was the first time that I really put a complete package like this together. We were late to open enrollment and it happened to be a school district. And we were rolling it out about two weeks before the teachers were leaving for the summer. And I live in Wisconsin and we enjoy our summers. So when teachers are off for the summer, they are off for the summer. You know, they're not looking at their emails. They're not engaged in anything to do with insurance. Well, because we were late to the game, we didn't do a very good job of rolling it out. We didn't make it mandatory for the employees to come to these meetings. So we got maybe about 35, 40% of them there. A lot of people were not informed of these drastic changes we were making. But we told them, you know, if you don't understand this, just call this phone number, they will explain it. And we kept re-emphasizing that phone number and we schooled the HR department to, when people call with questions, do not answer their questions, refer them to the navigators. That year, for 250 employees, the Navigators took 900 calls. That is almost unheard of. And it's almost counterintuitive, but the fact that we didn't give employees a whole lot of information to help them understand their options, but gave them this one phone number made them call. It was easier for them to just call that number and get a personal education than it was to read through a bunch of materials and still be confused. That's fascinating. So maybe less is more when it comes to open enrollment meetings. I think less is more. The other tool that we're using quite a bit is the Brain Shark, which is uh, just a a voiceover, a PowerPoint with a voiceover, but we can put it on the internet. We can put it on YouTube and people can go back to it as often as they want. And the employees can give it to their spouses at home, you know, to educate them on, you know, any part of what that program is. You don't have to listen to the entire PowerPoint or presentation. You can go to each slide individually and see the narrative and hear the words as often as they like. Yeah, it's interesting. In, in one of the agencies that I, that I, the agency that employs me most of the time is where we're using a product called Loom, which is very similar. It's a little lower overhead than Brain Shark, but when we do Looms for people, they love it. And they like it because they can get at it whenever they want on demand. The same thing with benefits book, booklets. We're doing those in interactive PDFs like flipbooks and we can embed videos and whatnot. But it's, it goes back to the question we talked about first, doesn't it? It's really about the user experience for the, for the member. 
It is. And it has to be simple for them to at least re- to remember where to go. Because when little Johnny wakes up at two o'clock in the morning, you know, that navigator may not be available and mom and dad have to know, okay, what do I do now? And that has to be clear and in their mind. And they're not thinking about that most of the time. You know, Johnny's a healthy kid. So when it does happen, it's a surprise and they just have to remember, okay, what are my next steps? Where do I go for help? Absolutely. We've got about a minute left. What do you see the future looking like? Well, I think as more and more employers engage in this type of benefit plan, it's brighter. The employers that I have been able to help have reduced their trend immensely, one as much as 37%, others as much as you know 10 15% and able to keep it consistently level. For those employers, it's bright. For the employers who refuse to engage in this or educate themselves or ignore it or trust those advisors who are really an obstacle and not a resource, it's not bright. It is, it's dim. It really is. I see healthcare continuing to go up at least five to 10% per year. And with COVID, who knows, that might be even more. Yeah. And the direct and the indirect cost of COVID. And there's a story yesterday on the news about cancer cases and other things that aren't being diagnosed because COVID's got everybody, you know, hunkered down and whatnot. So it's going to have a tail. I mean, this, this whole notion, you know, I'm an old TPA, this notion of claims that are incurred, but not reported. COVID's going to have that kind of a tail, I fear, and it's going to be ugly. It is. And the one thing I simply do not understand is we all know how broken the healthcare system is, but employers just aren't fighting back as much as they could. You know, when when employers get together, we've seen this with all the protests and, and, you know, just people, when they band together for a certain motivation, a certain goal, we can do powerful things. I just don't see that employers are doing that. They're just accepting what the healthcare systems and the insurance companies are handing them. And I don't think the brokerage community is helping much at all. Well, and that's part of the reason that I wanted you to have you on the program was because I think brokers need to be that kind of an advocate for their clients. And the more you and I and other people can help teach them, the better. And that's a great place to end our interview. Sarah Hamas, principal at NBS Advisors. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Thank you so much, David, for having me on. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.